listening to The Gender Rebels, a question and answer podcast that explores life outside the gender binary. I'm Kathleen, a cis woman and ally. And I'm Faith, a transgender woman. We'll be exploring topics like hormones, surgery, tucking, binding, boys, girls, and everything in between. And if you disagree with us, factually, morally, or scientifically, then you're probably wrong. Faith, we have a special guest today. Oh, really? Yeah, we are speaking with a candidate for office in New York City, Mel Wymore. Hi, Mel. Hello, how are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you. My pleasure. Can you tell us a little about yourself, introduce yourself, and uh, and be sure to include your pronouns? Okay. Uh, My name is Mel Wymore. I uh, use the pronouns him, he, his. Okay. Uh, Originally born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, cool. as a young a young tomboy, most for the most of the time, mm-hmm. and uh, moved to New York City at the age of 26, mm-hmm. where I married and had mm-hmm. two children, a son who's um, now 24 years old and a daughter who's now 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And I am an engineer by training, started out in manufacturing in Arizona. And when I came to New York City, Continued along that path, but also became uh, very involved in the community here uh, in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. That's mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. everything that's west of Central Park okay. to the Hudson River, and um, that's kind of my world, the Upper mm. West Side, and it's uh, about the equivalent of a small town of two hundred thousand people. Sure. Okay. Uh, community Board Seven. Community Board Manhattan. Seven. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I became involved very quickly. Once we moved here and um, began to uh, start a family here, it became clear that community was a real passion for me. So yeah. uh, while I did pursue professional interests in uh, technology and engineering, I also became a, essentially a community organizer and started off right here on my block on 70th Street and started organizing the block and my building and uh, started a food program for seniors that live across the street hmm, and healthcare wow. healthcare uh, visiting nurses to come um, take care of the people that were lacking in services and and from there just kind of uh, became very active in like increasingly concentric circles moving <laughs> out outward from my home right so mm-hmm. uh, now I have served on the community board for 22 years and I've been. Um, you know, champion a number of projects, uh, largely for either marginalized or disenfranchised or underserved populations, or even just to the general population where a community asset would make a real difference um, here in the community. Oh, that's great. That's, that's fantastic. Great. Awesome. Wow. Well, that's yeah. a lot of work. And thank you for doing mm-hmm. that. Thank you for trying to make New York City better. This is great. Yeah. I love community. I think it's really important, you know, as human beings for us to to create identities that are bigger than ourselves, where we're taking care of each other and and creating a just and sustainable planet. And that happens right in front of us, wherever we are. So that's kind of what drives me. You're absolutely right. And for those of our listeners who are from New York City, Mel is running for City Council of District 6, correct? Yeah, it's District 6. District 6, and the regular general election will be November 7th. So we got a little while, but I want you guys to keep them in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's really the real election because the West Side is largely a Democratic community. Mm-hmm. The real election is actually happening right now. We're going to vote on September 12th in the primary. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, and whoever wins 
that election essentially will be the next city council member. So for us, this is we're right in the thick of it. We're starting at, we're under 100 days away from the day. The wow. Okay. okay. Wow. Very, very cool. And all the information is down there in the show notes for those of our residents who will need that information. And those of us who, yeah, we're going to ask some New York questions. If you're not a resident of New York City... Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, otherwise, you know, we do have listeners from all over the world. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot that we can take away f- regardless of where you live. Absolutely. I mean, these are ur- these are largely questions of about urban life and, you know, city council. A lot of people don't see these local elected offices as very important. They always mm-hmm. think of the presidential races and races as the most important races. But when it comes down to your day-to-day quality of life, what happens on the streets, in the parks, in the hospitals, in schools, the storefronts, that's where we live our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's city council or these local levels really make a difference. Yeah. And and also like your state um, in New York, we have the assembly and and Senate and and state governments also super crucial so important so many people don't even realize there's elections half the time mm-hmm. and those people like you say city council and i think state government also ha- tend to have more effect on and what's going on in your life your than the life. white house yeah. sometimes that's true yes i mean not that I, i'm not saying the white house has no effect i'm saying yeah. we can protect ourselves oftentimes mm-hmm. if we organize at this grassroots level and we have more political power when we do that as well exactly yes exactly we have a couple of questions for you uh, I guess you're a transgender man, correct? Yes. I actually identify as a trans masculine person. Okay. Um, educated myself enough around gender that I no longer kind of ascribe to a strict binary system. So mm-hmm. I, I actually... Okay. I really embrace my whole identity, which includes, you know, a full 46 years being in, in a woman's identity. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, we, we were just talking about that on a recent episode mm-hmm. about whether or not, you know, about embracing your trans identity mm-hmm. and the non-binary nature And how of it's it. not necessarily non-binary. Anyone who's exactly. taken Biology 101 knows there's more involved than penis and vagina. Yeah. yeah. How has your own trans journey helped or hurt your candidacy? How has it affected your candidacy? Uh, that's a really good question. You know, I, and I also have kind of a log- longitudinal study of, around this because I ran in 2013, just at the very, you know, kind of into my transition, I, I was using the male pronouns and had changed my name and had top surgery. So I was kind of fully transitioned, but it was new to the community and trans people, the whole concept of transgender identity was new to the community. Sure. Just and four years ago. It was yeah. That, so only four new. years ago, but it was before Caitlyn Jenner and Laverne mm-hmm. Cox and Orange is the New Black and mm-hmm. Gavin Grimm and sure. North Carolina and all the wonderful kind of awareness raising events, not necessarily wonderful, both mm-hmm. good and bad, have have really shifted the conversation. I mean, we I still believe that it's not the common lexicon really to mm-hmm. relate to transgender people or to experience transition with ease. Still kind of a confrontation of society, but it is a very different conversation than it was four years ago. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would say, especially at the local level, people, my voters don't care about whether or not I'm trans. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they really care about whether I'm going to, incentive, you know, protect the small businesses in our community that keep getting priced out with high rents. Mm -hmm. 
um, make sure that the affordable housing stays protected and, and people don't get forced out of their homes or that the streets are safe and the potholes are filled. These are the things that people care about. Yeah. And gender identity is actually not a really central piece of the the content of the race. All right? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, that doesn't mean my experience of gender identity and also the notion of being someone who feels other or has experienced being other in the context of a community doesn't inform who I am and exactly. the way in which I experience the world around me. Mm. And I have a lot of empathy for communities that are marginalized and disenfranchised and don't feel like they have a voice or don't feel like they have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think those are important connections to have when you're a public servant. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So what what advice would you offer to a transgender person, LGBT person who's thinking about throwing their hat in the ring, you know, in, in a race or even just getting like super frustrated with some things going on in their community or in our nation? And is like, what can I do? The first thing I would do, I would advise anyone is. Know your own power. I mean, really, everyone has the power to make a difference in their mm-hmm. sphere of uh, influence around their lives, the people they connect with at the store, in their buildings, on the street, in mm-hmm. their schools. There's always the power, and it often comes from a commitment to serve your community or to really serve the greater good. And when people in the LGBT community expand past their identities and really mm-hmm. see themselves uh, as a, members of humanity, full-fledged, powerful, and caring members of a, of a larger community, then it really transforms your experience. And I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm mm-hmm. saying that we have a lot to offer because of our perspective, and we have a lot to gain by serving people. And mm-hmm. I don't mean just like individual in a charity way, but really taking on the world as community and we as an important part of that community. Mm -hmm. Members, valid, contributing members and even leaders in Mm -hmm. the large. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We live in the same buildings. We live in the same blocks. Our kids go to the same schools. It's all the same community. Yeah. And and two voices are stronger than one. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And that's, I believe, that that experience of getting ourselves related to each other across cultural barriers, across social conventions. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things that are going to solve the world's problems. That's when we start getting busy making sure everyone is fed. That's when Mm -hmm. we start worrying about the planet going, getting too hot. And Mm -hmm flooding happening and all the terrible things we're doing to our planet and to each other. Right, right. All right. I'm interested to hear, you know, in your political life or or just your career in general, actually, how have you noticed, have people started to treat you differently pre or versus post transition to to work with you as a female presenting person versus working with you as a male presenting person? Have you noticed any differences? Oh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. <laughs> I would think especially, I, I yeah. Yeah, think, no, there's, yeah. you know, it's, it's starting off being, a, you know, a, a woman engineer in a very male-dominated field yeah. and really having that experience of otherness. And then now, and then at the same time kind of walking into a meeting as the only woman in a meeting and really being very conscious and intentional about, like, establishing my authority mm-hmm. and my my, you know, justification for being there or my 
My credibility, basically. Yeah. Now that is never in question in uh, those types of things, right? So you know, I can walk in and it's just yeah, okay. You know, if you are you are you going to lead the meeting or, or someone else? You know, it's very <laughs> presumed that I yeah. could be that person. And by contrast, I have an experience of other environments, non-work environments, hmm. where I've lost a sense of welcoming. Right? And, you know, there are groups, for example, that are focused on. Uh, women's issues or, mm. you know, mother-daughter issues, things like that, mm. where I used to feel very at home and welcomed and part of the group. And now it's almost always some kind of a conversation, whether it's out of respect, you know, like a presumption of like, we we're going to, we're not going to ask you to do this because you, you know, we're presuming you don't want to anymore. Yeah. Or just, you know, like an un, un, uh, uncomfortable lack of clarity, right? And mm-hmm. so, and by the way, I'm 100% a devoted mom. I mean, there's no, like it's, mm-hmm. uh, we've had to invent my, our whole our whole language as a family. Mm. Yeah, that's my mom. He's going, he's going to that <laughs> restaurant. We'll see. Yeah. Like, it's such a weird thing that we've established, but it works for us. And it's something okay. that's true to who we are. I mean, yeah, you find that's, what works for your family. And that's the only people it has to work for. Exactly. Quite yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like a slow, process of educating everybody right mm-hmm. and yeah. everybody getting comfortable and that is not doesn't happen overnight so um, sure. there's a lot of you know for me I, I, I really want to come to that with a lot of generosity and mm-hmm. gender is new to all of us really Definitely. You know, it's, it's a whole world isn't that so funny we've had gender since the first human came around and it's sort of new for people to be discussing this now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot of presumption that we've had that just doesn't ring true. It's kind of like the world was flat for centuries and centuries, and then all of a sudden the world was round one day, and the whole uh, worldview, literally speaking, changed for humanity. And everyone's mm-hmm. just got to get used to it because this is the actual reality. <laughs> mm. All right, so... We talked to a couple of our friends who live on the Upper West Side and conducted a 100% unscientific poll of them. Mm -hmm. And because we were sort of curious, like what kind of concerns they had, what sort of things they would mention. And it's interesting because they came up with some things that are on your platform. The one thing they mentioned that I'm kind of curious about is empty storefronts and how it's tricky for small businesses to maintain operations and so i'm not asking you for like the solution right now but what kind of things contribute to that i actually should say real quick for our non-new york listeners Mm -hmm. they're in new york right now and this is like across all five boroughs there are like empty storefronts everywhere i would say it seems like half of all storefronts are empty so yeah so it's not just this neighborhood it's not just this neighborhood but there must be something endemic going on Absolutely. Uh, you know, and we've been watching it happen. Uh, you know, the very first thing when I was on the community board, I started as the chair of the community board, a small business task force. And one of the first things we did was initiate a rezoning of the Upper West Side such that storefronts couldn't be co- cobbled together. So they t- turned into big banks and oh, national yeah. banks. Oh, okay. Right? <laughs> so we were the, that. <laughs> yeah, we, we were the first community that kind of put together a land use solution or at least an attempt to bolster landlords or incentivize landlords to rent to smaller businesses or Mm -hmm. or concerns and not wait for the big banks. But 
but in, in addition to that, we've had this real estate boom in New York. And uh, I think we've had a lot of development, a lot of luxury capacity Condos. coming yeah. into, the, into the communities. And so landlords and co-op uh, owners and, you know, everyone who has a stake in the real estate industry says, wow, there's all these you know, all this very big money interest coming into our community. If I don't renew this pizza maker's lease, I can mm-hmm. hold on to it for five years as an empty storefront, mm-hmm. write off the losses, and then I can get, you know, Citibank to come in. Yeah. Or, you know, Apple, and they're going to you pay me six times the amount. And so I come out so far ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what's been happening is we have a real estate industry very interested in just driving up the value of real estate and then and not wanting to drop prices back mm-hmm. because then that devalues the value of the appraisals of the real estate. So you the have, way it's set up, there's no reason that they should. Right. And there's so there's, no, incentive. there's mm-hmm. no real incentive to or even man, a mandate to release or ex- renew small business leases. Mm-hmm. And so that's I do have a number of solutions around that. Uh, one of them is to incentivize, to actually impose some kind of a, a fine or an economic cost mm-hmm. to maintaining a vacant storefront for more than, you know, say a year. Good. And then well, I have one on my block that's been vacant for seven years. And then, you know, and then to mandate when price prices are doubled or tripled an arbitration so that the small business has at least a a fair chance of Mm -hmm. negotiating a reasonable renewal of their lease you know i was an owner of a small business on my block and i it closed as a result of a a failed lease renegotiation i mean my my rent almost doubled and it was not possible to maintain I've heard that's just that's constant. Mm-hmm. They say with restaurants, you, you're going to be able to run your restaurant for 10 years, but then when the first lease is up, you're done. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of how it is. I mean, they say if you make it past the first year of a restaurant business, then, you know, you kind of, you've, you've, you've leapt through over the biggest hurdle. Yeah. But then the next big hurdle is your, your lease renewal. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, there's, there are solutions and there are other cities. One of the things that, about New York is that tends to be, very insulated and we don't go out to other cities and look at the amazing solutions that um that that other even smaller cities have have figured out have you know implemented and to great success you know all every issue from transportation to homelessness to you know small business uh support all of those have solutions all over the world and Mm -hmm. i feel Mm -hmm. we as new yorkers could be a little less you know um self-referential and say, yes. okay, friggin' New York, right? <laughs> what else there is, you know? That's it. I mean, these aren't isolated problems. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Other right. cities have dealt with these. Ask around. See yeah. what other people have That's done. A good idea. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess our, our last question for you is going to be kind of like if there's that 14-year-old kid out there <laughs> who's kind of got this dysphoria about the gender role they've been assigned and, and is trying to figure it out. What What's the piece of advice you would give them, the quick piece of advice that you could tell them? Well, it really depends on how supported they are in their family. If you're feeling supported in your family, be authentic with your parents. You know, uh, mm-hmm. parents love their children. I work 
with the Gender and Family Project here in New York City at Ackerman Institute. I've never seen more passionate parents, you know, really looking out for the, the well-being and growth and a healthy childhood of their children. Really, it's uh, amazing to watch how passionate parents can be. That's so good to hear. Yeah, yeah no, that, and I think that because of that, uh, because of the parent factor, uh, I think gender is going to, the whole world gender is going to change very quickly. Unlike, mm-hmm. you know, marriage equality and some of the other big LGBT fights we've had, mm-hmm. gender shows up early in life. Uh, kids, you know, kids know very quickly and parents tend these days, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, in certain progressive communities to take it on. Like, yeah. and they're fierce advocates. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big deal. On the other hand, I have also worked with kids in Florida who are young and transitioning, who are not nearly, in certain families, are not nearly accepted. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would recommend finding a place like Yes Institute in Miami, and the LGBT Center, or the Ackerman Institute here in New York, mm-hmm. uh, or you know any number of kind of social services organizations that can provide some space for you to be able to be yourself and Mm -hmm. to really discover and grow and educate your family and the world around you. Because, you know, this all is about education. Mm -hmm. We didn't invent ourselves. (laughs) We were born and we grew up and and I, I was just talking to someone earlier today about how privilege is really the process of withholding your difference, right? Yes. And so in in my life, I spent my entire adulthood until I was 46 really withholding my difference, Mm -hmm. right? And it kept leaking out, you know, (laughs) and it was was painful and it it was a long period of conscious of, you know, increasing consciousness before I really was able to let go of that, of that repression. Mm -hmm. And so society will get to the point where authentic expression is uh, the the preferred convention. (laughs) Mm -hmm, But but right now we have a lot of education to do. And Mm -hmm. when a kid, I would just say to any kid, you know, believe in yourself, reach out to people like me. I merely mean if you can find a connection where you feel safe, adults are willing to help. And see your own leadership. Be bold. Mm -hmm. Because... It is an education. If you can see it as an education rather than a victimization, that shift in I'm an educator, not a victim, mm-hmm. right? I, I feel pain sometimes, but my primary focus is I'm an educator. Yeah. Uh, and when you can take that on, it changes your life. It changes your experience of being different. Mm-hmm. And that's super important to anyone who feels kind of other. Absolutely. Even if you don't particularly want to be an educator, that's certainly a better way to frame it yeah. than, uh, well, this looks. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's just like the world is run by agreement, right? And we're going to shift the agreement, but it, we have to acknowledge that there is an agreement in the world about gender, that it, it exists in two forms, male mm-hmm. and female. I mean, in most countries, anyway. Sure. And we're shifting that, and that's a very deeply ingrained agreement. It's a tacit contract that we've made with ourselves as human beings. And we're, we're shifting that because the reality doesn't reflect that. But it's still going to require a huge cultural shift. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and we just, I, I feel like it's, we're just way more empowered by being responsible for that <laughs> and empowered by that than saying, oh, you know, the world doesn't get me. So yeah. I'm mm-hmm. upset about it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
see it as an opportunity. The world doesn't get me. Not yet. Right. But exactly. To, yeah. The Not louder yet. I live, the <laughs> yeah. more they're, they're forced to try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, I just want to thank you so, so much for talking with us. This has been really, mm -hmm. really interesting. Thank you, Mel. Can we call you Mel? Absolutely. You can call me Mel. <laughs> Mel is my preferred name. And I always, I've always been Mel, so it doesn't, oh, okay. it doesn't change much. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. And really, uh, please uh, welcome anyone to contact me. I'm Mel at MelWymore.com. I have a website, MelWymore.com. And also, if you have any inclination to get into public leadership, serve public service at politics, Join the campaign. There's so many ways you can help out, even from afar. Just, you know, click in there and click volunteer. We would love to have you. Good. Great. Well, I hope some people will do that. And for our listeners, all that information is down there in mm -hmm. the show notes. It, and it's uh, as easy as it can be. All right, Mel. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you and, so uh, much. Good luck on September 10th, right? Yeah. That's September 12th. September 12th. Okay, yeah. good. All right. all right. Best of all luck right. to you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to The Gender Rebels. Please send your questions to questions at genderrebels.com. If you like us, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us. Music for The Gender Rebels is by Jasper the Colossal. Find the link down below or download them on iTunes today. And for more of The Gender Rebels, visit our website, genderrebels.com. Gender Rebels is a Comeback Sync production. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. And to all you Gender Rebels out there, keep rebelling. Bye! Who I don't see either one of you. That's okay. We don't look attractive at this time of night. Okay. <laughs> what time is it? Is that all right? Yes. Sir. All right. Okay. Cool. Okay. So first of all, uh, working with Dan has been great. Please tell him it was a pleasure. He's very professional. You should give him a raise. <laughs> yeah. Once I win, I'll give him a big raise. Sounds good. Excellent. <laughs>